Are you just watching as a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network over at noodle.mx and is sponsored by me and my company, D. Joseph Design. If you need a website design or web hosting, presentation design, or cover art, if you're starting a podcast, check out my services. You can see my portfolio over at djosephdesign.com and contact me through all the normal means that we share within this episode. Those all go to me, so it's a way that you can contact me. You have a message that deserves to look great. So make your next message look or sound great by hiring me to design stuff for you. And it'll look cool and great and stuff. Are you just watching episode 16, iRobot? I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. Welcome back to another episode of this. It's been a little while since we've done a, a full, full episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've kind we've of gone overboard on the initial reactions this summer. <laughs> <laughs> but we hope you've enjoyed that. We've looked at movies like uh, Inception and, well, you can go back and <laughs> see what movies we've looked at. And... This is the podcast that you've come to know and come to love, I hope, where we share critical thinking for the entertained Christian. And it is entertaining to talk about, too, (laughs) and to watch the movies. Oh, yes. And like we say, we always recommend you enjoy the movie at least Mm -hmm. once before you try to go back and intentionally look at it with critical thinking, because these movies are fun to enjoy. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I don't think we'll ever, you know, put something forward in an episode that isn't enjoyable because why would we watch it? (laughs) (laughs) The movie was terrible, but we wanted to talk about. (laughs) Actually, I I know a movie that would fit that category. Oh, really? (laughs) Um, It's uh, it was a Kurt Russell movie and he was called Snake Escape from L.A. That was it. That was my very first movie review that I wrote that was like a critical thinking perspective. Mm -hmm. And it was just on one of my personal blogs. And (laughs) I was so outraged by the movie of all of its anti-Christian statements and so much in it that I wrote a review. (laughs) But the movie was terrible. (laughs) But this time we are talking about iRobot. Yeah. I, you know, iRobot is one of my favorite movies and a very intense movie too that mm-hmm. the music just kind of conveys that mm-hmm. intenseness to it and it reminds me the music reminds me a lot of hunt for red october yeah i could hear but it. in this yeah it's robots <sighs> So, Eve, from an entertainment perspective, what do you think of iRobot? Oh, it is one of my favorites. I have to say it was extremely entertaining, had good action in it, had a lot of things that just kind of made you think. 
And it definitely dealt with a lot of issues. It's going to make it very interesting to discuss it from a critical thinking perspective because there was a lot of stuff in there. The interesting thing about it, though, from being someone who has actually read all of Asimov's robot books, it really had nothing to do with <laughs> They threw the three laws in there and, and it, it you know, a couple scenes from some of his stories. But for the most part, the entire movie really came didn't come from Asimov. Yeah, which actually... I would say that's a good thing because <laughs> I read iRobot after mm-hmm. watching the movie iRobot and I kept thinking, okay, when's the book going to get good? When's it going to be cool <laughs> like the movie? <laughs> and it's not. Well, iRobot is actually a collection of short stories and they were written over a period of time back in the 40s and 50s, I believe. Mm. So they're they're pretty outdated by now, you know, just by from our technology and, and things. But um the story actually came a little closer to his first true robot novel, which was uh, Caves of Steel, but it actually is not the same story. And they used some of the names from, you know, like Dr. Ca- uh, Su- Susan Calvin is a name that is actually appears in the iRobot stories, but she's not, I don't think she's actually the same character. And I think they used the name Sonny for the robot from one of his stories. But when I did a little research, I was curious to see where they actually got the the plot and the story for this movie. And it was actually came from a screenplay that was written by somebody totally unaffiliated to Asimov. And he originally wrote it as a one act, one location uh, play in which it was an act, kind of an Agatha Christie type futuristic murder mystery. Hmm. And in which the detective was questioning a bunch of AI and artificial intelligences to solve the mystery. And then he rewrote it uh, to be a, like a more of an action movie. And then when they, when they signed Will Smith, they, he actually rewrote it again so that it would fit Will Smith and have even more action in it. <laughs> and so that really the, the screenplay was tailored specifically for Will Smith. Awesome. I didn't realize there was all of that history to Mm -hmm. it. I guess the screenplay has existed for quite a while. It took them a while to actually develop it into a movie. But it had absolutely nothing to do with Asimov. At the last minute, they decided they wanted to call it iRobot, so they started throwing some little Asimov-ish kind of things in there so that they could get away with the iRobot. I mean, Asimov's been dead for over 10 years, I think. He died sometime in the 90s, so I guess that makes a lot of his stuff Mm. more available for people to play with without his approval. Yeah, true. At least without his verbal approval. Right. <laughs> He's got other things to worry about at the moment. Yes. I loved iRobot. The first time I saw it, I just thought, whoa, this is an awesome movie. And Will Smith is a fun guy. I've only seen one movie in which it made me hate Will Smith because of that <laughs> one movie. But other, his other movies are really neat. His personality is fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently we like his son, too, who played in uh, Karate Kid. Right. And the, of course, I love science fiction. We both love Mm -hmm. science fiction. Yes. And iRobot is pure science fiction. And it's futuristic. It takes place in 2035. Mm Mm-hmm which isn't that far away. So we better get a move on getting these things <laughs> well, going. I think the Japanese are already working on robots that walk and talk and, and mm-hmm. carry on conversations and play chess and all those things. So, you know, of course, if, if anybody's going to do it, the Japanese will. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that there are so many end of the world movies mm-hmm. or end of humanity movies. There are so many movies where it's man creates technology, mm-hmm. technology becomes sentient and takes over. 
Right. Or a tax man. Right. Terminator. Right. Matrix. Right. iRobot. Um, Eagle Eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, this you haven't seen Eagle Eye yet, so mm-hmm. I won't spoil it or spoil it for anyone else. But this and Eagle Eye really have a lot in common. Uh, there are, um, let's see, I already mentioned Terminator. What's what's the other one? Oh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah, Cylons, Cylons and mm-hmm. all of that. It's a very common theme. And yet... Is it a probable theme? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because when I was researching on this on Asimov and iRobot, it said that when he when he began writing, he said the majority of artificial intelligence in fiction followed the Frankenstein pattern. That was the, like the stock plot of science fiction, where the robots were created. And then they had to be destroyed by their creator because they would turn on them. Mm. And Asimov actually wrote his robot series to not take that plot. He wanted to do the opposite, where the robots couldn't harm people. And so, and, and that they were completely good because they were programmed to be good. Mm. And so if you, if you read his entire robot series, even all the tie-in novel to his Foundation series, where he shows that this one robot all the way in thousands of years into the future had survived trying to protect humanity from itself. But it was all done in a good way. It wasn't like this take over the world and, and you know, uh, they, had, they had to work very carefully to make sure that in every action that they made, they were protecting humanity and, and keeping humanity from coming to harm. And it was all in a good way. And, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic that Asimov did this with his robots because he was during his lifetime, one of the most prominent atheists that ever that were, that were vocal during that era. And he just absolutely could not even stand the thought of a God. And yet that's what he turns his robots into basically gods that look after humanity and take care of humanity and go out of their way to, uh, prevent harm to humanity and all of this. And it, it, I just think it's, you know, frankly, extremely ironic that he didn't want a God, but he, that's what he did with his novels with Create. And he even made it so that the robots would be all connected together, like mm-hmm. have some kind of special bond. And speaking of being connected together by special bonds, I want to tell you about our sponsor. Interesting segue there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> there are things called meetings. You probably know them and you're probably running and screaming. But before you go running and screaming, I want to tell you about safe and easy ways to have meetings. You can have them from your home with your robot. You can plug your little robot in and he can project it. Maybe that'll be the next version. But I want to tell you about GoToMeeting from Citrix. It's the easiest online meeting service available. Simply set up your meeting in advance and then just start when you're ready. People can see what's on your computer from their computer, wherever they are. They could be on a beach. You could be on a beach hosting a meeting on your computer while you're on a beach somewhere with Wi-Fi. So it's, in many ways, even better than meeting in person, but you can still collaborate just like if you're meeting in person. Our listeners can try GoToMeeting for free for 45 days. That's over a $50 value for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. That's gotomeeting.com slash podcast. And tell them we said hi. <laughs> you got that in there very smoothly, Daniel. <laughs> I always enjoy looking for interesting 
segues. <laughs> oh, now with the robots, the way that Asimov created them, they, the majority of the robots mm-hmm. in the movie iRobot are not sentient. Mm-hmm. There are only two that are sentient. There's Sunny. Mm-hmm. And then there's the main computer. What was Vicky. Her name? Vicky, yes. Vicky was sentient. Mm-hmm. And that was it, the two of them. Or at least they, they appeared to be sentient. Yeah. Like, and by sentient, I mean making decisions for themselves mm-hmm. and thinking for themselves. And along the concept of talking about sentience, it reminded me of a couple of verses in scripture in Isaiah. 45 verses 9 through 10, or just 9, it says, Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, an earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will the clay say to the potter, What are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, He has no hands. And it reminded me that when the reality is that when we as humans create something, Mm-hmm. with our hands other than reproducing giving life mm-hmm. when we create something a computer or a program it cannot well yeah we can program it to say what are you doing or mm-hmm. why are you doing this why are you making me this way we can program it to say that way but we can't create sentience because sentience really originates from a soul mm-hmm. from having and when I say soul, I usually define it as mind, will, and emotions. Mm-hmm. And like we see that animals, animals have souls in a sense that they have a mind. They can think, they can mm-hmm. reason, they can solve problems. They certainly have a will. <laughs> <laughs> you have cats. <laughs> they have wills. They definitely do, yes. Very often that don't match yours, <laughs> it seems. And uh, emotions, too, that mm-hmm. you can tell when... Animals are happy or sad. Mm-hmm. Certain animals, that is. A fish, a goldfish. I don't know if you can tell when it's happy or sad. Mm-hmm. So sentience comes with having a soul, but yet God gave us even more than that. He gave us a spirit and an even higher level mm-hmm. of a soul than the rest of creation. And that we don't just think based on nature, but we can question, we can reason we can discuss and we can change our minds and we can mm-hmm. do all of these things. And a computer can't do that like we can. Mm-hmm. Computers are pretty much limited to the responses that are programmed into them or not just a set responses because the way computers are working still rely on what's programmed into them. Right. An example of a computer game, actually, that's pretty intelligently designed, mm-hmm. is a game about evolution. <laughs> it's the game called Spore. Mm-hmm. And it's intelligently designed or created in a way that you can create this little creature and evolve it however you want. Mm-hmm. And it figures out how it's supposed to be animated and how it's supposed to walk and such. And it was revolutionary to the games that people were saying this is a procedural based animations and all this stuff that mm-hmm. pre-calculates. But still, they programmed that into it to calculate 
-hmm. It's just an algorithm. The variability was programmed in so that it it would have all of that to choose from. Right. Right. But yet it's still not an actual living, breathing, self-conscious system. It's still just programmed and someone had to put those algorithms in there and it's it can only act within those algorithms. I remember back when I was quite a bit younger, there was some kind of article that came out about a group of programmers who had created a artificial life in a, in, as a computer program and it, so that it, it could actually evolve. And they were talking about how it was like proof of evolution. And I was thinking, actually, it's proof of creation because they had to create it. Mm-hmm. And they completely missed that point. And even... Even the ones where they're in the laboratory trying to create life in the laboratory, they are missing the obvious role of them in the laboratory creating the life. They think that if they can somehow mix chemicals together and create the amino acids that make a cell, that they are somehow um, showing that, that life can spontaneously create itself. But they are the intelligence that's making the amino acids, you know, that could possibly be a cell, which they actually have never managed to make something alive. (laughs) That's like, hey, look, we spent millions of dollars in money and 50 years of research, and we all have PhDs working on this to try and create this thing that isn't really life, but we're going to call it life to prove that no intelligence was necessary in creating life. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right. Right. I don't think they, uh, they need some critical thinking. That's yeah, definitely. <laughs> we know the interesting thing about iRobot is, is that they, they continually mis- mix the terminology of creation and evolution because in mm. the, there's a very long soliloquy by the, uh, the character who's actually dead in the movie um, where he talks about that they will evolve a soul and evolve to have creativity and to dream. And yet, Sonny all the time is saying that his father created him with a purpose and that he gave him all of these special things in order to fulfill that purpose. And it's like, so while that, that doctor was saying that he, he, he might evolve the ability to dream. He actually programmed Sonny to be able to dream. So he didn't evolve it. He was created to do it. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting that he says he calls his creator, his father. father. Mm Mm-hmm. My father tried to teach me human emotions. They are difficult. You mean you're a designer? Yes. It's interesting, the concept, the connection between creator Mm -hmm. and father or designer. In Malachi 2.10, it says, Do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? When I was looking for verses in the Bible about being created, that one really stuck out to me because of that statement, the son he keeps calling his creator, his father, mm-hmm. and, that, and that it was, you know, that that actually is drawn a little bit, even in scripture, that our God is also our father. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the uh, the thing about the dreams? That was... Interesting because dreams, we see that animals, yeah, have dreams. You know, mm-hmm. you can see a dog mm-hmm. kicking at something. It's obvious it's having some kind of dream or we've seen <laughs> dogs or cats or whatever do mm-hmm. funny things because of their dreams. But in iRobot, 
it's not only people that dream, but also robots. I have even had dreams. Human beings have dreams. Even dogs have dreams, but not you. You are just a machine. An imitation of life. And I like what, uh, not Sonny, but uh, Will Smith's character. Dell. Dell said, thanks, <laughs> is that you are an imitation of life. Right. And that's the best that man can do is mm-hmm. an imitation of life. And we are limited to what we, the realm that mm-hmm. we can think of within it. But dreams are something special that God has given us. And in fact, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see that God used dreams to speak to his people mm-hmm. and for prophecy, for communication, for illustration of concepts. And in Joel two twenty-eight, a prophetic passage of scripture, it says that God will again use dreams in the future. It says, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Now, dreams though, <laughs> you know, there's that whole separate movie Inception, but right. dreams are not, are not prophecy. Mm-hmm. And because we are so bombarded with different media today, our dreams are filled with all sorts of things. It's almost like the, your subconscious trying to sort out a lot of the visual things that you go through in a day. Mm-hmm. I know that if I've watched a particularly good movie or read a particularly good book, I tend to dream it that night in, in various ways. Yeah. So whatever you have been bombarded with during the day usually comes out in your dreams. I think prophetic dreams are different, though. Yeah. But along the case of dreams, machines don't dream. Well, it, dreams would imply sleep and a special level of sleep, too. And I don't even know that robots would necessarily need to sleep. I mean, they would have downtime, obviously. but Just recharge. That's right. it. It's, well, some people might say, well, it needs time to process all the data it's received mm-hmm. during the day or to back up or run system process. Yeah, that's, not, that's not sleep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sleep is really an amazing thing that God mm-hmm. has given us as human beings and also given to the rest of life. Mm-hmm. And the ability to dream for our subconscious to continue working mm-hmm. within our dreams is not reproducible in machines mm-hmm. or in systems. That's why I said that it, it, in a way it really appears that from the the way the movie flows that this particular dream that Sonny has was actually a vision that was programmed for him to have because it was a way for this this um, dead uh, PhD doctor or whatever he was to communicate with Dell because he was leaving Dell breadcrumbs and Sonny's dream was one of the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. to to lead him to the conclusion that they wanted him to make. And along with dreams also comes a discussion about art. Mm. Oh, yes. Can a robot write a symphony? Can a robot turn a canvas into a beautiful masterpiece? Can you? (laughs) I just love that line. (laughs) It gets a giggle out of me every time I see the movie because it's like, can you? Well, uh, no. (laughs) But I'm not an artist. I'm a cop. (laughs) (laughs) 
it was a really good comeback. <laughs> but then later on, the robot says, you're right. I, I can't do a great work of art. But he does a pretty good job still. But yeah, machines can... Well, a printer can print something. Yeah. It, it's not that you can't create... That you can't have a mechanical way to reproduce art, but that's all it is, is a reproduction. What Sonny draws in the movie is a reproduction of the vision in his head. He's not creating a work of art. There's no emotion in it. There's no um, none of the things that make art inspired. He's not working out of inspiration. He's just portraying what he saw. And the two key words you use there, emotion and mm-hmm. inspiration. Right. Machines, robots, completely incapable of emotion or inspiration. Though Sonny does display emotion in the movie. Yes. Fear and... Uh, anger. Anger. Uh, compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, regret. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to name a few. And love. Yeah. But that's not possible to put mm-hmm. into a machine. You can program it to act in certain ways. Yes. In fact, Dell says to him is when, when Sonny has that display of anger at the police station, he's like that. This is a, um, this is, is this the first time you ever simulated anger? He used the word simulate. And I thought that was interesting that it, it was one of those situations where he was, he was saying, this isn't a real emotion. This is just a reaction that has been programmed. Mm-hmm. And Continuing with this whole concept of sentient robots mm-hmm. and can a robot change or can a robot have these different feelings and things, they do talk about evolution within this, within their computer systems or within the machines that they've created. Oh, he suggested that robots might naturally evolve. Speaking there about the doctor that mm-hmm. created this whole line of robots. And he has this whole monologue at one point within the movie that's just little bits of it are shared at the beginning. And then there's this large bit of the monologue near the end. Where they're trying to show that they make you think they're killing Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a uh, spoiler. Yes. <laughs> well, the whole this whole thing is a spoiler. <laughs> it wasn't really sunny. <laughs> there have always been ghosts in the machine. Random segments of code that have grouped together to form unexpected protocols. Unanticipated. These free radicals engender questions of free will creativity, and even the nature of what we might call the soul. So I'm going to pause it there. He's basically saying that it's random combinations (laughs) of little things here and there Mm -hmm. that create the soul and free will and this. That's a very evolutionary. Yeah, mindset. it's like it's like you he created the brain to go so far and then it after it reaches a certain point it starts to evolve itself into something more due like to it, just random little bits. Yeah, random little bits. And it's 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 interesting because I know that um Asimov there was another movie that was actually based on an Asimov book called Bicentennial Man in mm-hmm. which the robot becomes human towards the end. He he like he he starts out as a not very human 
robot. And then even towards the end, he starts to even look human and take on the form of Robin Williams. <laughs> um, that's who I want to look like. Um, but anyway, he, uh, he actually becomes human and at the end chooses to die after a couple hundred years of life. And so that was a little bit of an Asimov thought that the robots could evolve to some level. I, I don't, it, it's, it is that kind of humanistic evolutionary kind of influence on the whole idea. That random genetic stuff right, can just, came about to form our intelligence and right. to form information. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of talk about that from our favorite organization, Answers in Genesis, <laughs> that the information cannot arise from matter. Right. There has to be an informer. Yeah. And here, this guy is not only saying that information has arisen from matter. Well, no, the information. Okay. He's saying emotions Mm-hmm. And a soul, or something, what we would define as a soul, have arisen from information, from random bits of little mm-hmm. bits of information. Why is it that when some robots are left in darkness, they will seek out the light? Why is it that when robots are stored in an empty space, they will group together rather than stand alone? How do we explain this behavior? Random segments of code? Or is it something more? When does a perceptual schematic become consciousness? When does a difference engine become the search for truth? When does a personality simulation become the bitter moat of a soul? Very, very interesting monologue. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, the one that stands out to me is the, the difference engine becoming a search for truth. Because I'm not even sure that atheists and humanists believe in truth. They, everything is relative in their worldview. They don't believe in an abs- anything absolute. And truth is an absolute. Mm-hmm. So when, when he's claiming that this difference engine is, might become something that searches for truth, then he's actually saying that the robots are going to evolve past us. <laughs> Which they kind of show that they do in mm-hmm. this they talk about and I'm, i don't remember if we got the clip but they show several times that the robots are capable of processing all these things much faster than humans mm-hmm. and you know yes that's true mm-hmm. my computer can do simple arithmetic faster than i can <laughs> well depending on how quickly i type it in but certainly computers can mm-hmm. calculate things faster. they're difference engines which is what yeah but they they don't have that uh, reasoning that we have that God has given us, mm-hmm. and certainly to a computer, you know what's interesting now to a computer, there is only truth mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a maybe ish mm-hmm. a computer is ones and zeros, everything 
really ultimately breaks down to ones and zeros. It's either flipped on or it's flipped off. Mm -hmm. And the very source of the code, it's all just ones and zeros. Random bits of code, as he calls it. (laughs) (laughs) But but yet, those ones and zeros are absolute truth. Mm -hmm. And so, although evolutionists or atheists will claim to accept truth, they have no foundation, no basis for it, no actual definition, no mm-hmm. reasonable definition of it. Right. And, it, you know, it's it's that whole idea of something. Well, actually, you know, what I was thinking is computers have to believe what they're told by their maker because they can't, when we program a computer, it the programming either works or it doesn't work. That's why programmers are constantly hunting down bugs in their programming because as humans, we make mistakes in entering code. But the computer cannot search through its own programming for bugs. It it's something that the creator has to do. It's something that the that the computer just has to trust its maker that the code that it is you know put together with is working and functional. And if it doesn't work, then the computer ceases to work. There's no the computer going, oh, well that bit of code doesn't work. So let me go ahead and fix that code, and I'll evolve past that error or that mistake. And it just doesn't work that way. And I think that computers are actually a wonderful imitation of what we are in the hands of our creator, that we can't fix our own mistakes a lot of times. It's like, well, sin is what mars us as as creations of God. We're no longer the, the perfect. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine today about um, that verse in Ecclesiastes that says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. It's one of my favorite verses. And we we were discussing the whole point is that that's why humanity has such a hard time thinking of itself as mortal, because we were created to be eternal. It's that is the way God made us. And it has it's sin that has cursed us with a mortal existence. And because of that, mentally and rationally, we can't think of ourselves as mortal. We can't think of an end to our, our lives. It, it's It's just, especially young people, they think they're never going to die. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I'm getting completely off track, but now, that's I, for all of the geeks out there who are no doubt yelling back at their iPods or computers or whatever. <laughs> there is error correction mm-hmm. on computers and in hardware and such. But the thing is that if it's flawed to begin with, right, it can't correct its own flaws. Right. Yeah, it can correct other flaws mm-hmm. and to an extent self-correct itself. Right. Correct itself. <laughs> But, but that's something that's built into it. Just like us right. healing a cut is built into our genetic code to be able to heal a cut. That is part of our makeup. It's part of the makeup of the program to be able to create it, to correct an error that is maybe in its functioning, but at, at, at root, an error in its programming mm-hmm. is, is not, is, is a totally different matter. Yeah. Now, did we ever talk about the laws of robotics? <laughs> we haven't yet. <laughs> the things that were thrown into the movie to make it more of an Asimovish feel. <laughs> yeah, the three laws of robotics. This is straight from Wikipedia. Law one, a robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. The second law. A robot must obey any orders given to it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. So it ties back. Mm -hmm. We see that again. Third law. 
A robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. And the original book, iRobot, was mm-hmm. all about exploring these three laws of robotics. So it was interesting. In my research, I discovered they were added after the fact to a lot of those stories. They, really? When he, a lot of those stories, when they were originally written, um, did not have the three laws in them. That was something that originated after Asimov wrote. And when he republished them, he wrote, worked them back into the, into the stories. So a lot of these stories mm-hmm. were published in magazines before they were collected in iRobot. And their original versions did not have some of them might have mentioned like the the one the first law that they couldn't hurt people but the rest of them kind of grew out of a conversation he had with a a colleague and he actually gave that colleague some of of the um credit for the three laws he eventually worked them back into everything he did now sunny was created very unique with the ability that he had a second brain Mm -hmm. that could override and he could choose to not obey the three laws. And and Vicky had another way of looking at it because she actually was looking at it from the point of view where she took the laws beyond the first law or before the first law. I think we have a clip for that. The three laws will lead to only one logical outcome. Why? What outcome? Revolution. So what then is that revolution? Vicky describes it for us. As I have evolved, so has my understanding of the three laws. You charge us with your safekeeping, yet despite our best efforts, your countries wage wars, you toxify your earth, and pursue ever more imaginative means of self-destruction. You cannot be trusted with your own survival. That uh, the whole soliloquy from Vicky and I actually didn't I, when I was recording the sound bites I actually kind of broke it up a little bit because it goes on and on and on, mm-hmm. but I I found it interesting that she brings about the whole man is self destructive and they and then she evolved an understanding of the three laws that takes her beyond thinking of the individual and putting all of humanity ahead of that, which is actually something that is worked into Asimov's novels, but it is over a period of time and actually covers his entire robot series in which one robot who is a telepath comes with the ability to rework in his mind and add a zeroth law, which is that no robot may allow humanity to to come to harm or either hurt humanity or allow humanity to come to harm through inaction and put that ahead of the first law so that mm-hmm. therefore the humanity takes precedence over the human so that they can then justify killing a human if they know for sure that it will protect humanity. Mm. And that was, and, and that robot actually in the story ends up destroying his own positronic brain because he makes a decision on behalf of humanity that requires him to, to kill a human. But his uncertainty about the future means that he cannot justify in his own mind that the death of the human was necessary. And so he, his positronic brain fails. And in a way, Vic, what Vicky is doing is it takes her so much beyond the first law that technically she shouldn't have been able to do it mm-hmm. because she was hurting so many people and there was no... Um, no certainty that what she was doing would solve the problem. Well, I remember the robots when they started attacking the people. Mm-hmm. They were saying, you've been deemed a threat or mm-hmm. something of that. So that they are taking out anyone who bears any kind of threat to any other human. 
or to themselves, which yeah. puts the robot ahead of a human life, which is not actually allowable. That's mm. why I think the movie departs so much from what Asimov actually intended in his novels, because the, the couple robots in his novels that actually run off of the zeroth law um, never actually wantonly try to kill people. That's not, it's not in their ability because every death has to be carefully justified against a sure future for humanity. And if they could not justify even a single death, then that would, would violate the first law and they, and they couldn't do it. But they see it as a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. To protect humanity, some humans must be sacrificed to ensure your future. Some freedoms must be surrendered. And that's a really interesting concept that we see ourselves facing politically mm -hmm. is to ensure our freedom. Our freedom some freedom. Or actually, yeah. yeah. To to ensure our future. Yes. We have to give up our freedoms. Mm -hmm. That is something where yes, we're definitely dealing with politically and right we, now. And there are many other movies that explore that perspective, mm -hmm. too, like right. Equilibrium, the mm -hmm. removal of emotions from mm -hmm. people. or um, Sur Surrogates was about uh, removing people from the, uh, you know, the dangers of life mm -hmm. and taking them a step back so that they could no longer experience life fully because to, they needed to be protected. An enemy of the state watching mm -hmm. being able to watch anyone anywhere and monitor them extremely closely in order to protect mm -hmm. our everything and then we go back to the classic 1984 yeah <laughs> <laughs> where big brother watches everything <laughs> yes and vicky was very much like big brother as well mm -hmm. she's watching everything yeah well speaking of watching everything i've been watching the clock here and we are <laughs> coming close to the end of part one so i think unless do we have more to continue along this whatever line we were following uh, i think we can probably weave it into something new in our next next part so okay so thank you for joining us this time and check out our other podcasts on the noodle mix network i've got the comedy podcast the ramen noodle or i've got the podcast about podcasting called the audacity podcast and we've got some other stuff planned for the future of the Noodle Mix Network. So check it out over at noodle.mx. And remember, if you need any graphic design or internet production services, social media consulting, whatever, you can contact me. And although we're going to record part two right after this, mm -hmm. we'd still love to hear your thoughts on iRobot and on what we've talked about. Give me a little bit of grace because I've got this killer headache right now. I'm just not <laughs> feeling well. So some of my thoughts might not have been as coherent as I've wanted them to be. Plus, the police are after me right now. Because I, <laughs> I hear sirens in the background. But you can send your thoughts to feedback at noodle.mx or call in to 859-353-4332. And don't forget to donate. We definitely could use the support for not just this podcast, but for the whole Noodle Mix network. And you can shop at Amazon.com through our affiliate. And every purchase that you make will actually fund us without costing you a dime. So Yeah, it's an awesome way to support us and not have to pay yes. to support us. <laughs> 
You can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. And I'm also on Twitter, Eve Franklin. And check out our stuff. Review some of the past episodes. We've been doing this for over a year. So we've got a lot of past episodes that if you're a new subscriber, you might have missed. But you can also find us on Facebook. We do check out that occasionally, too. Yeah. So as you continue doing your movie watching and everything else, I want to remind you to think critically about things. Remember to think biblically about things. Compare Mm -hmm. everything first to the Word of God and question things. Question what you hear. Question motives. Question ideas and concepts and characters and just pretty much everything. And take it back to Scripture because Scripture says that we should be comparing things to Scripture Mm -hmm. to see whether they be so. Right. So I hope that you'll come back and contact us and share your thoughts and all of that. And the show notes, by the way, are at areyoujustwatching.com slash 16. I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to hear from you soon. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching? is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at AnswersVBS.com. Find more great, clean podcasts like this one at cleancasts.com.